Let's try some coffee real quick and kick this thing's fucking ass. Vengeance. Yes, sir. I was a straight out Howling at the moon There was a thick fog Rolling through my room I was dead wrong But my head felt like a tomb And I wandered through that room Oh, I was fucked up Hanging by a thread A string of bad luck It hit me what she said You can give up one yard Alone in the darkness of our little apartment Listening to the rain on the roof Play for kiss and noise Soft fingertips I was
just wanna go do what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want it. A cigarette, yeah. I just wanna go get what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want it.
Oh my god, I was thinking, I thought you were talking about the dude who sold his soul at the crossroads. Oh no, um... Oh, that's shit. Robert Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like, no, he died super young. That's yeah, why we were talking... Yeah, he was like a 27 or Jesus. something. Jesus, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Down here. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like, Kurt Cobain showed up to the yeah. MTV VMAs and like his album cover. For, and that's how it um, got popular again. I lost a little my alien mind. With the fucking... Yeah, had a big cult. Yeah, 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 that's how it got popular. All right. This is episode 35 of Ever City Sounds. Uh, I'm alone again. This is Cole. We have with us the Mighty Good Times. Uh, can you go around and introduce yourselves? What you do in the band? I'm Ryan. Or really, everybody calls me Tech. I'm the drummer. I'm Tim. I play guitar and sing. Jake, I play bass. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> First off, um, how long have you guys been around? Is this incarnation? It'll be two years and like... Late November, early December. Mm-hmm. Okay, and has it been the mighty good times the entire time, or has it been not as mighty good times? Yeah, it was the the mighty good times the whole time. Um, first, uh, when PBR was ending, I um, was I don't know I I thought of this name the mighty good times. I liked it. Um, I had a couple of songs in the past uh, like. Richmond City Hangover Blues, there's a verse in it where it's like, uh, Good Time Suicide written on the gun I'm going to use. And then we named the second PBR album Good Time Suicide. And um, Carter had like Good Times written on the side of his van. And um, so I was just thinking, the mighty good times. And uh, keeps popping up. Yeah. Almost like ritual magic. It's one of those things you keep seeing it, seeing it. It's like, oh, it's in my life now. Almost. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted to do like, mighty something for some reason and uh that's no, fun like um and, i don't know and i had this logo in mind and it all just came together as mighty good times and didn't have like a band yet i just like put a demo up on Bandcamp, and um the jackass flats hit me up and they were like does your new project want to open up on new year's eve at the camel for us and that's always a sold out show and like and that was like two days after the last pbr show was scheduled for so I was like, this would be a great way to segue, like, get this new band off the ground. But I didn't even have a band yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I made a Facebook post, and um, Jake hit me up, and, uh, and Jake told me about Ryan. And then uh, we got Tara, um, you know, we've, we've all known Tara for a while, and she just uh, ended her band, The Folly. So um, that was an obvious, awesome choice to, to pick her up. And then my fiance, uh, Brie Devi, she like plays keys and spins fire. 
So I was like, why don't you come like spin fire with us or spin glow poi or whatever we can do with the camel. And, um, and then eventually she just started playing keyboard on songs and synth and spinning fire on songs and became a part of the band quickly too. Nice. Uh, do any of them sing as well, or is it just you mostly on the vocals? I saw Jake singing a little bit there. Yeah, uh, Jake does some backups, and uh, Tara sings beautifully, and so does Bree. And um, we, we've we had a song um, where each of them sing uh, so far, and we want to expand on that. But All right. so far, just one song each with the girls. So do you mostly play as the five-piece, four-piece, or uh, how many times has this happened that you had to play as a three-piece? Only a small handful. Okay. When, um, like, Tara's work schedule doesn't allow her to get here, mm -hmm. and um, me and Bree can't find a babysitter, then she'll stay home with the kids, and mm -hmm. I'll come out and do the show. And um, But, I don't know, a couple times, like, a month or two ago, we had to do, like, two or three three-piece gigs, and it was actually really good for us. It got us really tight, and mm -hmm. then when we added the rest of the band, it just felt even better. Okay. And uh, so it's not ideal, but we can fucking do it. Mm -hmm. No, I was just curious because, uh, you know, usually it is really hard to get a lot of band members together when you have more than three people, usually. Yeah, um, <clears throat> jobs and kids. But the other thing is that usually I feel like when there is a bigger band, there is usually like a core central piece that is maybe a three piece or a two piece you know what i mean that practice uh, you know what i mean i was just mm -hmm. curious if it was more often that you three practice together and kind of get the roots down and then add on over top of that or if there's more of a bigger collaboration in the writing now we always plan for five piece mm -hmm. um but you know we take what we can get we weren't going to cancel the podcast mm -hmm. over some last minute shit if we can play some music we're going to do it yeah um so what are the genre and influences for this project? Do you have, if someone asks you what kind of music do you play, what do you typically answer? Um, rock and roll, uh, Americana, yeah. folk, kind of. Um, but I don't know, the cool thing is, is that we're all five, like, completely different people with all different influences, mm -hmm. and it's fun. Songs come together in ways that we don't expect, and, um as they build and and that's really neat to like you know sometimes we we chase a genre on a song but sometimes we just let it be bizarrely uniquely us and uh it feels good i don't know this you guys can all answer if you want but is there a specific um influence you guys have for this project in general or if not maybe something that you have for your instrument in general no not really i always felt like we kind of take what we're listening to at the time, and then if we like a part of it and it coincidentally fits with the song, we'll try to work it in. I mean, right, the track opener, the opening track for Belly Laughs and Broken Bones has been redone like three or four or five times since we've recorded it last year. Um, and that's just one of the many examples that we have between melodies, between songs, and just adding guitar solos and bridges and extending verses and stuff like that. Um, so as far as influences, like, yeah, obviously we try to keep it rock and roll because we're a rock and roll band and we don't want to go too far and sort of alienate the situation at hand. But as far as, like, basic influences and trying to isolate um, what we bring to the table, we don't really do that. We just kind of take whatever we can get and throw it in there and just, mm -hmm. you know, go day by day, gig by gig and come out with the best that we can, you know? 
I had a couple of references I was trying to think that you guys sounded like, but now as I'm slowly getting farther away from that moment, the only one that actually sticks is like Rage Against the Machine, maybe because you guys had a song called Rage, but yeah. at the same time, like I said, the other references are slipping away from me now, it's just that one I can remember. Um, yeah, um, that's why I was wondering if there was any specific band or anything. I mean, um, when I try to explain the Mighty Good Times to somebody I meet or whatever, I pretty much tell them it's like Bob Dylan fronting Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. And that's just sort of the easiest way to explain <laughs> it. I mean, obviously it's not just like that. It goes deeper. But, uh -huh. you know, when you're trying to nail it down to one sentence, that might be the easiest way to do it. There was definitely one shot I was getting of uh, you two together. And I just from the shadow of the light was casting, I was like, that looks like Bob Dylan a little bit, because your hat falling off at that point, uh -huh. just with the, uh, like that side shot from uh, I'm Not There. I mean, it's one like of the first things that we all jumped on top of when we were, like, hanging out and starting the project and talking about it is a Rolling Thunder review. Um, and we were watching the documentary and just eating up that uh, album and whatnot, and it kind of makes sense um, just with, like, throwing all the guitars everywhere and the violin player kill it slays and Terra slays and you know that i feel like that was a really good nucleus to start where we were going to go and then ever since then we're like oh we we're listening to this punk rock album let's throw this in here mm -hmm. oh we were listening to i don't know chet atkins let's throw this chet atkins riff in something like that mm -hmm. and just sort of go from there so right because we could be a like folk country americana band with our like musical lineup but we take that and like play rock and roll with it a lot and i feel mm -hmm. like that's what um, rolling thunder review is too it's you know dylan moving into the rock and roll shit and like well, i mean i guess he's been there for years in 1975 uh, with like the whole um highway 61 and blonde on blonde shit happening mm -hmm. in like 65 and 66 um like jake said um we don't put any rules or barriers on it like if one of us brings something to the table and we have an idea for it where it's not like you have to play this and you have to play this it's like you know what would this person that i love playing music with do with that and then sweet <laughs> mm -hmm. um so are you guys local to richmond i grew up in lexington um i have a lot of family in the west end and my mom graduated from douglas douglas friedman and my parents like Went to VCU at the same time in the 80s, but met in the National Guard, and it was a weird coincidence mm -hmm. and whatnot. But I think, like, Tara grew up in Williamsburg, and Bree grew up in, like, New Kent, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess that's close enough to Richmond, but, uh... Yeah, we've all been here for you know, a decade or... Well, the question was thoughts and inter well just the point by point question was thoughts and introductions to the Richmond music scene. Uh, what I was getting at was there any particular reason why you set your band roots here? Was there any draw to the Richmond music scene? Fucking yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. This is. Where else are we supposed to be? <laughs> I mean, I know that I was looking at a bunch of different music schools when I was um, like a senior in high school and thinking about going to college. And, you know, I visited JMU and Shenandoah and some of these other great schools. And they are great schools. And anybody who has the privilege to go study there, you know, it really is a privilege. But the thing that won VCU over. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a coincidence that I have family in Richmond, and I'm a little bit more familiar in Richmond, but, like, you go to these other places, especially in Virginia, in rural Virginia, and, you know, I was asking some of the Shenandoah kids that I was, you know, eating at the same cafeteria with them, I was like, where do you guys gig? And they're like, oh, we'll drive to D.C., and, you know, there are some places, like, private parties in northern Virginia or whatever, but, like, the Camel is four blocks away from the campus at VCU, 
And like the farthest you're really going to drive for a quote unquote local gig is maybe you go to Southside and that's a 20 minute gig. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Richmond as a metropolitan area already has an advantage over other places in Virginia, which is, you know, I guess logically a reason that people come to Richmond. I mean, it's not the same, not the exact reason. I mean, I feel like what I told people back in the day when I first moved to Richmond is that Richmond was and still is kind of a meta for people growing up in Virginia to create. You know, a lot of people go to like New York or LA or Austin or wherever, and they're great hubs too. But the thing that Richmond has to offer is like, one, we don't have to go too far from our families, but two, it's a lot cheaper, man. Like, mm. I know that there's a little bit of an issue with the housing bubble and whatnot, but even then, like, nobody wants to, like, take a shot going to New York or L.A. if they don't have to when they can come to Richmond and just create. They don't have to worry about the barriers of what the media shows and, you know, what's hip and whatnot. You just yeah, come and do whatever is. the fuck you want to, and there are other people around doing it, too, because it doesn't have to be on TV to be cool. It's just cool, and then... Everybody finds their pockets, and small pockets come together to make a little bit of a bigger pocket, and bam, you have an awesome music scene. Yeah. Richmond's definitely the the best music scene in Virginia for doing original music. If you want to go do covers, you might make more money at the beach or something. But <laughs> um, So it's got that advantage Like if you're living in Virginia. And geographically, you're right on fucking 95. 95 has to go through you. So like for venues, touring bands are already coming through. And, like, you know, you go north, you've got D.C., then Baltimore, then Philly, then New York. And it's, like, all of that's within <clears throat> seven hours. And uh, if you're on the West Coast, going from, like, L.A. to San Fran is, like, you know, five hours or something. And there's, like, not that much, like, big cities to do in between. Mm -hmm. So, like, touring's great on the East Coast, and we're right in the middle of it. You go down south, you've got, you know, Raleigh, and then... Charleston and Savannah and down into all the cities in Florida and shit, but um, and it's and it's the perfect size, you know. If you go to Philly and New York, it's such a big fucking pond. It's so hard to make a splash, and in Richmond, it's just a big enough pond where you're in a music scene and there's music lovers around. But if you get a band to even the size we are in under two years, like we've made a fucking splash here and like people know our name here already in new york we'd be a drop in the bucket mm -hmm. i mean the iron highway what we got here uh it's definitely very useful and richmond <clears throat> supports local yeah we like to eat local and i mean like i bring up a lot of times uh when i was with slow game in new york for that little bit um bands aren't very big up there it's usually one solo act with looper pedals or you know some other means of electronic music because uh the pay and also shit's so small up there and it, yeah. so there's a lot more of that i think we were the only band with a drum set or more than two people at the time mm -hmm. you know we only have three still more than only people too yeah you um, get on these gigs it's seven bands and none of them brought anybody out and you each get 20 minute 30 minute sets and yeah it's a fucking mess here in richmond you can stretch your legs out played three bands with an hour set everybody's happy one thing you also mentioned about touring bands coming in is uh, for a time when we did have Strange Matter as well as uh, the Camel still now is that those are places where local bands get to play is also those where touring bands come in a lot as well so it's kind of yeah. nice you not only get to share the stage but also sometimes we even get to share the bill like, yeah then you gig swap your way up yeah. to Baltimore and DC and which is yeah. a bit 
easier to do than, you know, back when I was in Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area. Like, oh, the big thing was playing uh, the National, not the National, what was it? Because we Norva. have the National, the Norva, yeah. thank you, because they're sisters or whatever. But God, it's hard to get there. When exactly. There's not the clubs to build to there. <clears throat> yeah. You know? PBR, we built in the clubs here from, you know, Camel to Broadberry to the National, and you can see that trajectory. And, and that's what I feel like it's like in New York. Uh, it's so hard. We were playing all these, like, tiny shit clubs trash bar where it's all seats from pulled out from old vans and uh like i mean i fucking love a good dive bar and that was the best one but um you know you play these tiny venues with a shit drum kit and pa and um and then to get to that like tipping point to start playing like the bowery ballrooms and the um brooklyn bowls and shit it's like that's a hard fucking uh step ladder to get up do you have a preference? It can, you can answer individually or all together of um, house shows or a venue. I know, I know your opinion. House shows or uh, uh, actual venues, organized venues. I mean, me individually trying to have a good time on stage, it's definitely house shows. I mean, you can get away with so much at house shows that you can't really do at venues. Mm-hmm. I mean, naturally, house shows are for, you know, friends that are hanging out. Um you know, it's just like any other situation where friends are hanging out, but one of your friends is playing an instrument and their friends are playing instruments too and whatever. It's just mingling in at a party. Like, obviously, venues have upsides as far as, like, I can invite my parents to see us play at a venue. Mm. Um, I can invite other friends who def- don't necessarily feel the really big party vibe out to venues and whatnot. They're slicker, they're cleaner. Um, but, man, I think, you know, one of my favorite parts of, like, starting a band and getting to the point where you're playing venues and biggest venues honestly like my favorite part of the journey is when you play a house show and you pack 300 400 kids into some t- tiny townhouse on lee and harrison and you're just throwing down man that's that's when you know you have something um so me personally it's house shows but i mean all these venues that we play also venues have more of an opportunity to meet people uh from like out of town and whatnot um I mean, naturally, you go on the internet and you're like, oh, I'm coming to Richmond for whatever excuse. Oh, there's a brewery in Goochland, and Goochland is near Louisa, where my mom lives or something like that. So we'll hang out there on our free time, or the Camels right down the street um, from VCU when I'm visiting my friend there and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, venues, the, I mean, house parties are definitely the most fun and can be an important step in breaking into markets. Um, but, the good thing about venues is you put them on your resume and it helps you get in other venues and um, you know you can make money and uh, you know when you're putting in a lot of time and trying to like make this into uh, a job and a living uh, you know it becomes a venue game but I've had it where like you're on tour and um, we used to go down to Athens all the time this uh, the Georgia Theater rooftop loved us and the Nowhere Bar across the street loved us and they let us play but we weren't bringing in big crowds and one day this drunk kid stumbles in to um, one of our shows and he's like oh you guys are fucking awesome like we got this um, house party happening later you guys should come play it we go play it and it was like you know 
like you said, hundreds of kids there and having a fucking blast doing whatever we want, lawless. And then the next time we come to Athens, we've got this whole fucking following that comes out and pays five bucks to see us at the venue, and that's how we broke into the scene. Mm -hmm. And like, so sometimes it's a, a really necessary, fun ass step to, you know, to growing. Mm -hmm. Do you have any favorite shows you've plain, played or seen? Richmond area. Let's yes, say. definitely yes. I'm trying to think of one specifically to bring out. I mean, this band we've um, had some incredible highlights in the last year. We uh, got booked on Mountain Music Fest, which is fucking amazing. This huge lake uh, with all this fun stuff. We did blobs and zip lines and obstacle courses in the water, and um, and there's huge bands on the lineup, and uh, so that was that was really special and a, a big step for this band. And then in Richmond, we're um, just hitting all the fucking the venues that you dream about playing. We just headlined the Broadberry for the first time, which is amazing for us. And um, we got to open up at Innsbruck like a month before that. And then we went out and played at um, Licking Hole Creek Brewery, where like Lettuce and String Dusters just played. And now we're talking to them about like doing our own like big ticketed field event out there. And uh, so just in this band, we've had some amazing moments that I did not think we would be seeing this soon. But, Very cool. yeah, I mean, outside of the band, uh, I love seeing the Fleece Brothers live, I love seeing Modest Mouse live, and uh, anybody who's, like, real fucking people who aren't just plastic and phony and, like, have made it pretty far, like, against me and stuff, I'm like, man, these are, like, real fucking people with, like, mental illnesses and addictions <laughs> like me and problems and shit, and they're, like, they're fucking doing it and like they're making this dream in ways that I didn't understand when I was younger when I would see Zeppelin and Bob Dylan I would think like there's failure and then there's being Zeppelin or Bob Dylan <laughs> and then I see like these bands where their goal is a cult following and to keep playing small venues and packing them out and crowd surfing the whole time and just having an intimate time and uh, I'm like damn there's more attainable and more beautiful dreams out there than I knew about when I started in this mm -hmm. business. Um, you mentioned logos, so that's great. Uh, did you have any merch or releases that were already out that are available? Yeah, we got some good shit out. Um, we put out our first album early this year, and uh, it's called Belly Laughs and Broken Bones, and uh, we have that on CDs and it's out on digital distribution on everything. Um, and we uh, got a logo made by Katie Leahy. She also did the album cover art for um, the album. Uh, but she just did a really awesome logo for us. That's uh, It's really the original idea I had where it's like this bicep where it says like the mighty above it and then like good times on it. And I just did this shitty hand-drawn thing um, that was like, uh, I don't know, that was just an idea. And I sent it to her and she like made it awesome and mm -hmm. fucking beautiful. And Elise Olmstead, um, our former manager, Taco, shout out, we love him, and I'm super proud of them and their family and their new baby. Um, she did a, a cool logo for us uh, early on. There's like a, there's like the Cheers font, um, mm -hmm. but it says the Mighty Good Times. Is that the one that was on your bass drum? Yep. Yeah, that's, what I, was, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost that 70s kind of disco vibe to it. Okay, and we got uh, t-shirts out that have the, um, the bicep logo that Katie Leahy did. And uh, 
Also online um, on bonfire.com, that is this really interesting company. If you're in a band and you're listening, you should check them out. What they do is you create a t-shirt design, you just put a, like paste the logo on the t-shirt and they make it available online and when somebody orders it, they'll start an order and they'll take orders for two weeks in that order and however many people buy, at the end of that two weeks, they get sent out and we don't pay anything up front they just send us a cut instead of us like buying 50 t-shirts for $300 and then mm -hmm. selling them for 20 bucks each to make a profit if we don't have that money to put down in the beginning or it's a logo with too many colors that we can't afford yeah. to print we can still make that available and people can buy it so the mighty good times on bonfire.com you can get our um, a t-shirt with our album cover that we can't afford to print <laughs> that's great no that's really cool thank yeah. you for shouting it out that'll be probably a lot of help for a lot of people honestly so, uh, have you done any touring or out-of-state out of, um, stints, out-of-town stints, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, um, with, like we talked about earlier, the constraints of being a five-piece and having five schedules, and um, everybody, like, we can't jump into this and go full-time yet, so, like, everybody has day jobs and shit, mm -hmm. so we're limited to, like, being weekend warriors and um, just booking our shows on Friday, Saturday, Sundays, yeah. and then that limits how far we can travel. And uh, so, you know, with PBR, we traveled the country and um, did it full time. And fortunately, like I got a lot of outreach done that way. And when we made the first album, we shipped them all over the country and in Canada and out of the country and shit. And like, it was really cool that they were going places not just in Richmond and. Mm -hmm. um, so that was awesome for us, and with that, we got a lot of requests for us to come travel. And so we're, we're doing it, we're making it out as far as we can, and since we're still early, like, we still have all this work to do in the region. What's the uh, farthest you made it out with this band? Kentucky. Okay. No, we didn't play Kentucky. Well, that West Virginia-Kentucky borderline where, like, the patio is in Kentucky or something like that and the bar was in West Virginia. I'd consider that Kentucky. That? Uh, one of the early ones. Is that the one where That's Carter the... made the sign? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you, oh, were you yeah. on the patio in Kentucky? Something like that. It was Okay, really if, if you weren't, don't say you weren't. Uh, I don't, I don't... Say it was close, and I'll cut it. It was close. <laughs> Almost <laughs> Kentucky that one time. <laughs> We were uh, so damn Asheville close. probably the furthest. That was like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's like seven hours or something. Yeah. Six. Hmm. Um, oh, shit, fuck that. We went up to Pennsylvania. Oh, wait, we that's right. Oh, we did go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Man, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's I think awesome. Pennsylvania might be the furthest. Um, the classic one, RVA is an acronym, doesn't stand for Richmond, Virginia. What would you reassign it as? You've had weeks to prepare you. <laughs> um, like, I'm, I'm not a singer I don't have really to really vibrant aesthetic yeah okay um you guys um roasting vegetables always oh okay okay um do you guys frequent bars or breweries often do you guys have a favorite spot I like drinking oh, at the oh, Camel oh, uh their happy hour is like half off everything okay so if you're into drinking during the day between 3 and 7, I think it's like <laughs> Sunday through Thursday or maybe Sunday through Friday. Maybe it's seven days a week. I can't remember. But that's always that's always like a under-the-radar deal. Um, I mean, Richmond, the food scene is just insane, and it's awesome to be here. Day drinking is um, heavily acceptable in Richmond. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. It's a part of the calendar. It's part of the schedule. It's like, oh, what time is it day drinking time? <laughs> no, but um, that, that happy hour deal is criminally underrated, and the the 
I mean, the camel's been cool since it started. When did it start? Like 2008 or something like that? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. The, like, you know, the previous owners did their thing, and then the staff, like, what, the staff bought the camel in, like, 2013, 2014 mm-hmm. outright? So, yeah. like, the bartenders and the booking agent own it now. Yeah. Um, it's just been. Shout a, out to Georgia. Yeah, Lucas. Shout- I mean, I think it's great. They revamped the sound. Carter yeah. rebuilt the stage and the sound booth and soundproofed it better. So from our side of things, it it's great. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and See, that's the thing. Is then that it I'll... went to all these people that we already knew and loved. It yeah. was Georgia, who was behind the bar the whole time that we'd been playing there. And it was Lucas, who'd been um, working to open Broadberry with Rand. And, um, yeah, I, mean, I loved the employees there. So yeah. when I became an employee on place, I'm like, fuck, fuck. River spot. You guys like the river? Fuck yeah. Absolutely. What's your favorite river spot? Unless it's secret, you don't kind of need to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, Pony Pasture and uh, Pipeline. I think they have some really nice walkways yeah. that you can jog on or walk mm. on, especially Pipeline. You just sort of a hop skip away from the river. Pony Pasture is more if you're not trying to swim, and it's a good Saturday morning vibe, but if I'm day drinking uh, with my much cheaper drinks than half off of the camel, then uh, I'm probably going to the Pipeline. Mm. I used to always be on the north side, like North Bank. Um, at, you know, I lived in Oregon Hill and stuff, so we'd be at Belle Isle. Yeah, and I remember in the falls and winters, like nobody would be out there. And sometimes mm-hmm. they would close that gate on the suspender bridge, and we'd but, like, like there's climb so many ways it. around. You don't even need to go near the uh, near the bridge, even. You can mm-hmm. just get in there anyway. You fucking want. And know? back then there was days where you could have the island to yourself and yeah. shit, and like, you know, it's just yeah. only see one or two people out there, and. Uh, and just, you know, all that stuff, uh, the Texas beach and all, like, the cold skinny-dipping spots and rope swings in, in between. But uh, recently I moved to south of the river in Forest Hill for the first time in the last two years. And I'm just like, wow, this whole side of the river is, like, a fucking cool open spot. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to get to for the cops. So, like, you're not going to have to worry about looking over your shoulder for somebody to come dump out your beer and <laughs> ride up on a bike like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Richmond Police. Yeah, <laughs> Fucking suck yeah, it. Yeah, for real. Uh, you guys seem like you've accomplished a lot in the last year, from what I've heard. Uh, do you guys have any band goals going forward, maybe the rest of this year or going into 2022? What you want to accomplish next year? No, we're just ready to fuck shit up, however it goes. We're going one day at a time. Mm-hmm. It's been a crazy pandemic. And honestly, just the camaraderie that the five of us have together we can accomplish whatever we put our minds to and we're trying to just take it day by day decision by decision and going forth i know we've been talking about getting a new album out sooner rather than later and once we you know figure out um what our schedules are in 2022 we plan out more and whatnot but uh uh, i'm i'm fully content on just taking it day by day and seeing Mm -hmm. it where it goes right I'm kind of in the same boat as Jake. I feel like, you know... He's too many bands to worry about. We've done a lot already, and, you know, we've accomplished a lot of things that other bands probably wouldn't be able to accomplish in the first two years of, you know, being together. Um, But at the same time, you know, again, it's hard being a five-piece and trying to get schedules together, and, you know, we all have separate lives at the same time, you know. Tim and Brittany have a family they have to take care of. You know, Tara's got her own day job. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all got our own personal stresses that we have to take care of. So it's, like Jake was saying, it's just taking it day by day mm-hmm. and, you know, doing the best that we can with everything that we do. And I think we do a really good job of doing that. But, you know, once we can, you know, once we have the opportunity to really put our noses to the grindstone, I think we'll be able to just take this and take off. Yeah. 
we've had this focus on like um whatever the gig is whatever the thing is like let's fucking bring it and mm -hmm. uh let's play it like it's you know the biggest fucking show we've ever had and uh and that's been i think how we've gotten so much done is that when you come out and you play your ass off at a show and the even if you didn't fill up the venue if they really loved it then like people like help you out they're like hey we want to get you back here on a friday or saturday for mm -hmm. a big crowd i yeah. want to get you opening for this band that draws here like i want people to see you and like you can skip steps like that just fucking shake off your week and bring it it definitely seems like you guys have done what you needed to do and it's just kind of sit back and wait for everything to kind of fall in place. Is what you yeah, kind of wait for. You can't for. get content in this business. No. It's like, yeah. it, know, it's you just, gotta get that next album going. And it, it's so songs. much easier when you focus on honing your craft. And I mean, this is one of the most, one of the beautiful things about Richmond is that we're a community and we support each other. So when we see somebody kicking ass, we want to help them as much as we possibly can. So, you know, when we come into this living room and we whack shit out or we go on the stage and whack shit out or post something online and they see that we're doing our thing and they love it you know they reach out to us and we'll do the same thing when we see people on things outside of the band or with the band so it's a lot easier to let things happen um like i said just by honing your craft versus like setting expectations like oh i want to play i don't know the raceway or something mm -hmm. like that and then getting disappointed because you realize how many steps are in between it's just like go out go out there kick ass take names and then let that be the independent factor and you know let everything else fall into place obviously we're not going to be content we're going to be doing this you know for a long long time um but man you just got to focus on the right things at the right time that's the easiest and the only way you can do it yeah all right well you've given us a lot of great advice did you have any parting words or any other uh things you might want the richmond audience to know before we head out Let's see, what do we got coming up? We're playing the uh, Umphrey McGee's After Party in November. We're playing the Friday date. Or the Danny Jams is doing the Thursday date, but we're playing with uh, Fucks at the Canal Club. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, right after the Umphrey McGee shows in at the National, everybody's going to be coming through the Canal Club, and that's open to the public. Um, yeah, we... Did we talk about the other one or not? Um, think... Let's fucking do it. Uh... <laughs> We um, we have a a hold on um, New Year's Eve at the Camel. Uh, Jackass Flats is stepping down, uh, and the Camel reached out to us and would like to put us in that position, and that's fucking huge. Yeah, that'd uh, be great. That's huge for us. That's such a great night, and that'll you know help us fund the next album. And uh, so yeah, keep keep supporting us. Keep an eye out. We're gonna keep putting shit out and. We love everybody that's been on this ride with us. Shout out to Carter, who, like, makes everything more fun and epic and lets us use his school bus in his yard and comes to our shows and hangs up sweet-ass recycled, upcycled art. And uh, shout out to Gadget, who dances on stage with us. Shout out to our band members who aren't here. We love you, Bree. We love you, Tara. We miss you guys. And, uh, you know, we'll be uh, back in action five-piece on, what is it, November 19th? Yep. The Humphreys After Party. Alright, uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm Cole with River City Sounds, episode 35, and we have with us... I'm Jake, I play bass. <laughs> <laughs> We're the mighty good time. There you go. Virginia. <laughs> I like it. And thank you, Cole. Yeah, man, this, thanks. This has been great. Of course, appreciate you guys.
sweets All these pills And rolled up dollar bills All these plastic pills Can't keep me awake The other day Another drink Another backwards way to think about today another crazy person self-medicating through the pain and the loss all this chaos has a cost i've been lost so long that i've got to get free
what is wrong with me Your mind 